Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and as you'll hear soon, I'll be joined by Pacific Union College student Morgan Williamson. She's a graduating senior going into education. She was in my class, one of my classes recently, and I thought she would be a great person to interview, as you'll see shortly, because of her experience in education and the fact that she is doing her student teaching currently. And because the country is currently consumed with conversations about teachers and pandemic safety and students and the need for students to be in a supportive learning environment, I think that she offers a really great perspective on the current state of Adventist education. She has an interesting history herself on how she ended up at Pacific Union College. She will also share about her student missionary teaching experience in um, the Fijian Islands and also give you some on-the-ground testimony about what it's like to teach elementary age students through um, online portals and what uh, has made her want to be a teacher in this environment. So I hope that you're ready for um, a young 20-something voice to share with you um, a real personal perspective on what it's like to be in education today. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, I do, Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome to Adventist Voices, Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by Morgan Williamson, a rising, graduating senior at Pacific Union College. Thanks for talking with me and the Spectrum community today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So I met Morgan because she uh, joined my Elements of Cinematic Storytelling uh, course this last quarter, and she was a great student with a really thoughtful personality, and so she agreed to talk a little bit about um, her experience as a student, but also as someone who's heading into teaching. Um, and I think what I'd like to focus on today is, uh, this, this debate about education. Um, folks who pay attention to the news know that, uh, parents and teachers and unions and, um, administrators are all kind of caught up in this fight about how, um, we educate, uh, in general, and of course, how we open up schools and keep everyone safe. And so, um, we've got Morgan here, an expert in both learning and, uh, in teaching. So, my first question for you, Morgan, is what made you want to go into education? Yeah. Um, so I've always been involved with kids, um, since I was younger. Um, 
I started in a question therapy program when I was 16, but really that's just a fancy term for um, horseback riding lessons. Um, but I was giving horseback riding lessons to uh, kids with hip dysplasia um, in my community back home in Paradise. And I just, you know, fell in love with it. I loved the teaching aspect. I love, you know, I've always been involved with horses and lived on a ranch. And so, you know, I was doing something that I loved. And my mom was the one that actually was pointing out, like, hey, you're, you're good at this. You know, like the kids respond to you. and You know, they're growing in their progress and stuff. Um, have you ever thought of teaching? Because my whole family is medical. And so I, you know, I just figured I was good to go into the medical field at some point. Um, but then I started looking. I was like, oh, like I could do something I love. <laughs> for a career and so that is kind of what started my uh my journey towards um choosing education that's great um t- do you mind just talking a little bit about well, what it was like uh for the first few years you were at puc just learning in general um the point there is uh, most people know what it's like to sit in a classroom but really uh what it was like maybe starting to realize that that model wasn't going to work during the pandemic. And so um, things started to change. So what was it like before for you as you were uh, kind of moving through your studies? I'm so sorry. Are you you saying like the vibe going into like how PUC was before the pandemic? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. um, So coming to PUC, I took a year off um, in my college, but I was up at Walla Walla. So I transferred from Walla Walla down here to PUC. Um, and up at Walla Walla, I was in the, you know, in the dorms, in that kind of environment, you know, very engaged in all the community aspects. And then coming to PUC, it was much smaller. And so it was more close-knit, I would say. Um, and living off campus and not being involved, like I had to find other areas to kind of uh, include myself in the community at PUC. And so I chose sports and I chose to try to be a part of that aspect. Um, I believe it's called intramural. So it's, you know getting involved and just trying to be a part of teams. And um, yeah, I would say the spiritual aspect at PUC is, well, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) Um, I would say like the spiritual aspect at PUC um, is different than what I've experienced before, but I think it it brought a new perspective into my my relationship with God and kind of moving forward in that sorry if that's not what you wanted. <laughs> no, that's great. Actually, I would like to, how do you uh, characterize it? Because, uh, you know, um, in Adventist education, a lot of folks are, you kind of get Adventism from a local church, from parents, relatives. Maybe they start to ask questions. And then um, uh, part of the college experience for a lot of people is to maybe ask even more questions and, and maybe wrestle with their faith and see a lot of different types of questions of spirituality being expressed. So how was it for you? Yeah. Um, so coming from, I grew up in an Adventist family. And so, you know, I did, the, the, that was my community growing up. And so um, I went to PC elementary um, and then we transferred up to paradise and I went to paradise Adventist Academy up there. Um, and so kind of graduating from that, I was planning on going to an Adventist college, but we couldn't afford it. And so I made a decision to go to um, Chico State for a year and kind of try to save up and figure out what my next plan was in life. Um, and so going from there and kind of removing myself from, you know, my whole community, all my, my classmates and stuff going off to Adventist colleges for the most part, I really became isolated in my faith. And I had to, I had a year of really searching out and um, kind of those questions that you, you were always told, you know, but you, you didn't know, I guess, for yourself. Um, and so I knew what I believed, but I was, I was 
figuring out why I believe what I believed in a sense. And so it took me on a year, a year journey of where I was like, you know, is like, is this the religion for me? Is, is this really what I believe? Or is, is it something that I was told my whole life? Um, and so I came out of that with a, a great understanding of who I was and, you know, my relationship with God. And that led me, you know, I opened up doors to go to Walla Walla and that led me to my mission here, which changed my life. So that's great. Uh, in so many ways, I resonate with that. College for me was a place where I was sort of making, trying to figure out who I was and what uh, and how mm-hmm. um, religion and faith would fit into that. Uh, you mentioned your mission year. You went to Fiji. Uh, tell us how that affected you. Yeah, that was a, a crazy journey. Um, I had gone on a two-week mission trip in high school to Thailand and that was just my, you know, my first trip out of the country. It was, we were involved in an orphanage and, um, digging trenches up this mountain for this village up there to bring them water. Um, and so that really inspired me. And so, you know, kind of being in the, out of this community, community, you hear about, um, people taking years off to do, uh, a year mission trip in high school, not mission trip, mission year. Um, and so I was like, you know, like, I really want to do that. So I knew that in high school that I was going to plan to do it, but I didn't know where. Um, I had in my head that I wanted to go somewhere like Thailand or, you know, somewhere that I thought was in my head, um, of where I should be. And then I got up there and I really, I don't know why, but I focused on Uganda. And then once I got to Walla and I was looking at kind of like the possibilities, like everything that I wanted to do to go to Uganda, um, it was like slammed in my face. I, you know, I had to get a special visa and that got like unapproved. I had the, the crime rate there. They would only let it if it was a certain percentage. And that was way above what it was. And so I was like, you know, I was opening myself up to God and I was like, Hey, like I'm willing to go. Like I want to go, but you know, it doesn't seem the opportunity. And so I went in there and, um, to the missions office up there and I was like talking to them and just being like, Hey, like, where do you need people? Like, like where, where is there a, a need that needs to be filled? Like a position. Um, and they told me Mana Fiji. And so I was like, okay, I was like, I really, <laughs> I mean, this might sound a little superficial, but I didn't want that classic island mission experience. I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to be hard. I wanted it to be challenging. I wanted to, you know, be gritty and, you know, persevere and have like this new perspective. And I was like, oh, like going to the islands, like, you know, I'm going to be on the beach for a year. Um, <laughs> but that's, uh, it turns out that's exactly where God wanted me because it was the toughest year of my life. Um we went there to uh, Mon Island, CG, and worked with the Adventist Elementary School there um, that we have set up with uh, Fabio. And I taught second grade, and I actually taught um, the lower um, portion of second grade. So second grade there was split up into two little groups. Mm-hmm. Um, one group that was getting ready to move on to third grade the next year, and then the lower second grade um, that they were going to be held back because they just they didn't have enough material learned um, to advance. And so they asked if I would want to work with them and try to bring them back up to grade level. And so I was like, yeah, of course, like, you know, I'm down for the challenge. Um, and so I jumped in and we went over the basics and, you know, we had to be outside because there was only one classroom for the second grade. And so we were outside on our, our little mango tree um, with our desks and we, you know, went over the basics and we started from the beginning of the year. And, you know, I only had my four students, but, you know, we really excelled and um, beat them able to ask questions and there was a huge language barrier, but we were able to make it work. And by the end of our year, they were able to move up um, to third grade. So I felt really accomplished that, you know, they worked hard and I was able to learn a little bit of Fijian so I could communicate at like a, 
uh, kindergarten level, I would say, <laughs> of a gym. So they were teaching me just as much as I were teaching them. That's great. Congratulations. That's got to thank you. It's got to feel good to have a really clear goal and feel like uh, you were able to help your students. So, so yeah, sounds like you're a very gifted teacher. <laughs> So uh, let's jump back to uh, the United States. We're rolling along like normal, and suddenly you, a future educator, are now learning online. What was that like? Yeah. Um, so I've been at PUC three years. Um, so I was, you know, going to classes and everything for two. And then when everything happened in March, I was actually um, a part of my uh, teaching credential program as we go observe uh, for English language arts. Uh, for a quarter. And so I was halfway through that in March, like just towards the end, I guess. Um, and it was a Friday. I was supposed to come in to teach actually a lesson. And my uh, mentor teacher there called me and she was, or emailed me, I'd say, and she was like, hey, like, you know, the school shut down. Like, you know, we're sending home packets to the kids and they're going to do, we don't know what's happening next. You know, everything, everybody was so unsure. And so I, that was kind of the end of that experience um, until this year for my personal student teaching there. Um, but up at PUC, it was, we were struggling kind of to finish finals to, you know, move on from this quarter and just end it. And then everyone was just going to reevaluate when we got back. And it was, it was a big learning curve. You know, professors had to condense a lot of their information, um, I think into their lessons and stuff that something that I struggled with personally was, you know, you would go to class and you would be able to talk to them. Hey, like, you know, did you get that assignment? And did you, you know, Oh, oh what's next on there? Oh, I forgot about that. You know, and you could kind of converse and get back on track with stuff. But when you're not in connection with people or being able to answer questions, it's, um, you kind of feel really isolated. So at the same time, I actually moved out, um, of my, where I was living with my grandparents. And so I was out on my own for the first time and being at home full time. Um, so I got to kind of further that isolation, but I really learned to, you know, motivate myself I guess and really like this is my education and if I don't do it no one you know no one else is going to do it um so it put me on a new path that I think helped carry me through my my senior year for sure well that's great um can you talk a little bit more about that isolation I've noticed it as a teacher I can tell when um some of my students are are you know just not feeling like they're in that um, they're not rolling along with the class um, and they're starting to withdraw, not turning stuff in. And, and, you know, that happens normally, but when it's, when you're just sort of on Microsoft teams trying to connect, um, Mm -hmm. it can, I think, exacerbate that. So um, tell us a little bit about the the isolation and and obviously you made some decisions, but tell us a little bit more about um, how you did that. I think so many students at home, they had their own lives that they were going into, like they were going home to their families and the own, you know, struggles that happen with families and extra ties and responsibilities. Um, and I think that kind of took over. And so balancing those two lives, when you go to school, I felt like, you know, I go to school, this is like my job in a sense, you know, I go to school, I get what I need done and then I can come home. But now that I'm at home full time, those two kind of worlds, I feel merged. And so you know, I was like, oh, I could do this. But I also, you know, have laundry. I also have some dishes to do. I got to run to the store. And, you know, even though I'm at home, I feel like I have all this time. But it, it really caused me to prioritize what I had to prioritize. And sometimes that, you know, it didn't work out. And I felt like I was behind or procrastinating. But it was because I was doing something else, you know. Um, but as far as isolation, like, it was, 
I live, you know, with my brother. And so it was just the two of us. So it was not really, you know, he didn't participate in my classes. And so there was no one to talk to outside of the, you know, um, there was no one to talk to outside of the Microsoft team. So you're just staring at screens. You're not getting to interact with people or, you know, socialize. And yeah. I think you see that a lot in the classrooms as well for elementary levels. Like they're losing their sociability. Like they, they don't know how to talk to classmates. You know, they haven't gained those social skills and we see them really lacking in our schools because of that, because of that separation and kind of aspect. Yeah. I think that's so important, especially for more extroverted students. They get so much energy by being in the classroom, the small interactions. Uh, you know, I think sometimes teachers are there thinking that they're, job is to impart knowledge and forget about all the extra things that um, are part of the classroom experience that that really benefit making good members of society which is also part of the our our job as teachers Um, so let's talk about uh, you moving into your um, I know you've done a, a teaching in Fiji and you've done observation, but you've moved now into uh, your student teaching. How is that? Uh, How's it going? Um, What are the, what are you, uh, what challenges are are you, are you seeing? Yeah. So (laughs) coming into it, I am trying to come in with the perspective of this is a learning experience of a lifetime. I will never, or hopefully never (laughs) go through a pandemic and again and have to be (laughs) virtual learning. So that is, that is what we are going with. But um, I just started this week, um, and I'm in a great classroom with 22 kids, and it's a virtual um, three days a week, and then five kids that need extra help come in Thursdays and Fridays. So that's kind of how it's set up. Um, but coming into the classroom and trying to learn those kids and, you know, make those connections that, you know, it could be a small thing of if we were in the classroom, it would be, you know, helping them with a little assignment or taking them aside for a small group and going outside with recess and making those personal connections that help you know, help that teacher-student relationship further their learning experience. Because, you know, if they respect you and they appreciate you and they want to be around you and talk to you, they're going to learn more. You know, they're going to be more acceptable to what you have to say. Um, But when it's online, I'm just, you know, I'm muted kind of while the teacher's talking right now. And then I can jump in when it's, you know, my turn to teach or something. There's no of that small talk or joking back and forth. We have a set time that we have to get the curriculum in as, as much as possible in the two 40 minute blocks that we have. And then we lose them. Um, and so it's very fast paced. It's very, you know, we can answer questions, but you know, it's not a lot of times to be like, Hey, how are you? Like, you know, ask the students, like, you know, be able to have those conversations and get to know them and get to know their lives or, you know, what's troubling them. And I feel like that's a huge part that I just beginning this week and feel that I'm lacking so far. Um, but I, I'm coming to it with that mindset that, you know, we are going to learn so many more teaching <laughs> tools and management skills for online than I, I would ever have previously. Um, I took one <laughs> um, teaching uh, for technology class in college <laughs> and I'm using that for everything that I'm doing. So I learned so many new websites that I didn't even know existed um, and try to make quizzes online that are games. And, you know, so it's, it's forcing me to grow a lot in my uh comfortability with technology i would say that's great you know i noticed um how important it is to um really use the the chat function because some some students really don't feel 
comfortable talking in class normally. And mm-hmm. one of the upsides of the of teaching online is that the t- technology allows kind of two conversations to be happening. Um, you know, I can literally be talking to the students and they can be answering questions right away while I'm still speaking uh, right in the chat. And uh, I can read those questions and then roll with that as more, um, as, uh, you know, providing kind of a, a chain reaction of questions and answers and, and uh, conversations. So um, that's one of the upsides that I've noticed. What's an upside that you've uh, noticed with uh, online, um, both as a, as a student and as a teacher? Um, this is kind of a, that's a good question. This is a new kind of upside that I, I came into. I, I didn't know about it beforehand, but the teacher that I'm working with, um, she's involved in, so as a differentiation for her kids to answer questions, because, you know, to answer 22 kids or have 22 kids answer a question, you know, it would, everyone unmute themselves and it would be chaos for a minute. And, you know, they're only six or seven. And so a lot of them don't even know how to do the chat function or, be able to type an answer in. And so she's incorporated sign language into her um, oh. way of being able to answer a question. And yeah, so I took, uh, I, nothing crazy, but I took two semesters of uh, sign language back at Chico and I was actually going to go into uh, special education and use that, um, but I took a different path. Um, but so to see that and see them be able to, you know, wield their little hand for A or the B, you know, I see a lot more. They're trying to find other ways to connect with the students and have them communicate other than, you know, staring and nodding, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. So I really, I, in that respect, I see that they're, you know, how cool is that to use sign language, you know, to be able to use other languages in something that, you know, in a classroom, I maybe not have thought of that. So that's, that's a cool new perspective coming into this for sure. That's fantastic. I didn't know about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you were a great student in part because you gave so much feedback um, on video and uh, it's always a struggle to know when, um, students should should they all keep their cameras on? Maybe you know they have a, you know a, a distraction in the back, or, or they just don't need they don't want to be present. How do you handle uh, having everyone turn their cameras on, um, or, or some keeping them off? Uh, yeah, so so far <laughs> they're all on, um, and they're you know they have them at different angles because they don't know how to sit <laughs> <get> there. <laughs> Usually they fall off a bed or something. Um, I, the cutest thing that I have seen so far, um, like a teacher moment, uh, but they all bring their little stuffies to class. And so as a way to differentiate, the teacher has them, um, instead of you would read out loud or, you know, a sentence or practice, you know, sounding out words or something, she has them say it to their stuff, their stuffed animal. Um, and so getting that connection there, um, has been the cutest thing to see that, um, the kids, yeah, they really look, you know, they're staying there, they're, they're listening to the teacher, but they it's really hard to keep them engaged. Um, in a classroom, you can be, you know, crazy. You can, you know, you can command the room and you can, you know, get them interested in using manipulatives and, you know, connect with them, turning something into an art project when it's a math, you know, kind of feel, uh, and just really connecting in that way to those students to try to get their interest. But online, it's, you know, it's hard to pull them in that way because it's just staring at a screen, you know. We can do it because, you know, we're older. We, we have to yeah. <laughs> for a lot of our jobs. Um, but for them, you know, it's, they don't have that attention span to just sit and stare for 40 minutes. So that's been a big learning curve. And, you know, we're constantly brainstorming ideas to keep them engaged. Um, this is kind of a, a side tip, but one thing that my mentor teacher does is she, um, if the kids get, uh, what is it? I think 12 questions out of 20, right. 
like like 12 kids answer out of 20 just to get them to answer the question she'll put whipped cream in her hand and splatter it across her face in the middle of class <laughs> yeah and it's just it's a way of like you know it's something so simple but it's just a way to try to get them to answer the questions trying to get them in engaged and you know these are six or seven year olds coming in and you know they don't know how to answer fully they don't know how to do it in complete sentences so try to teach them in front of the whole class like that it's it's, it's definitely going to be a, a long process and trying to pull them out of their shells i would say well, I'm so glad that you're um, pursuing this career, and it sounds like you are um, really thinking a lot about how to uh, keep the students' uh, attention and impart um, knowledge and and connect them to each other. So thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I have just one question left, and that is um, as you are kind of moving through this process of sort of normal in class, uh, education. Now we're hopefully getting close to the end of the pandemic, uh, um, at least uh, starting next fall. Hopefully cl- schools will return to some semblance of normalcy. Um, I'm curious where what your kind of uh, goals are. Um, you're Right now you're teaching uh, what, K through third grade, is that right? Yes. And um, where do you see uh, your your educational career? Are you wanting to teach in Adventist schools or in public schools, or where where are you looking for your the kind of where are your hopes and dreams for for what you're doing in in a few years? Yeah, um, well, I hope that after this school year, I hope things are going to go back to normal <laughs> over the summer and we will be back full-time in class teaching um starting in august because i would love <laughs> to have my first year actually in the classroom with those kids you know yeah. struggling through it and triumphing <laughs> through it um uh, being completely honest about going public or private for education um i i think have a very unique perspective in my education journey because i switched around a lot um for elementary schools i did UC Elementary, I've done um, a charter school, Lighthouse, I've done public, um, and then I finished out at Paradise Adventist High School. Um, so I think I have quite a few different, I was also homeschooled, I guess I should say that, um, but I have a, a few different perspectives of education, and my kind of dream coming into this is, <laughs> it sounds cliche, but like I really want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be that light for those kids that need it, and I think this might be a, a skewed view, but I, I see Adventist teachers coming in and they, they have their connection to God and they have a community surround them. And those kids are loved. Like those kids in the Adventist community, like they have so many sources, you know, to help lift them up, to elevate them, to connect them to God, to connect them to, you know, additional outlets. And I feel public school, they don't have that as much. They don't have those God centered teachers coming in because usually they would go private or have, you know, into different um, directions in their careers. And Mm -hmm. so my plan going forward is really to go into public school if I can um, and just really try to be the teacher that I hope that those kids need, you know, the students that, you know, they wouldn't have got that opportunity normal. They wouldn't have got a student or a teacher that can, you know, show a different perspective, show a different connection to them and really, I guess, be there for them. (laughs) I guess that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, that sounds like a very noble um, endeavor. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, thank you so much for talking with me today and being so real about your experience. And um, I'm uh, congratulations on um, graduating from PUC soon. Um, and uh, again, uh, thanks so much for uh, what you're doing. Yeah, of course. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move.